spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Chaminade University. Well, how's it going, everyone? Thanks so much for tuning in to this special afternoon edition of Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise. And of course, we are joining you in the afternoon, not during our normally scheduled 10.30 a.m. appearance that we normally appear on because of the, of course, global, worldwide <laughs> Facebook lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call it, that happened earlier this morning. And luckily, our guest today was flexible enough to also adjust his schedule. Yes, we are so thankful to Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, who is joining us now from his office at the Capitol. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Green. Thank you. You guys were so famous. You crashed the entire <laughs> worldwide web. It was awesome. And now we're here and we're here to get the latest switching gears to uh, more serious topics. Uh, some good news when you look at the case count, it does appear that we are trending in the right direction. We are. There's been a dramatic and positive turn of events these last four weeks. We've talked a little bit about it, but here we go. The case counts are dropping precipitously. People's sacrifice is now uh, meeting with great reward. The sacrifice being that they went and chose to get vaccinated and they made a commitment. So four weeks ago today, we had 756 cases. Two weeks ago, we had 431 and today we had 195. Four weeks ago, we had a positivity rate of 7.23%. Two weeks ago, 5.75%. And today, 3.51%. And then probably the most important thing to reflect on is the hospital numbers. Two weeks ago, we were in a tough spot. Four weeks ago, we were in a terrible spot. Four weeks ago, we had 440 people in the hospital with COVID. We were discussing crashing that system and the healthcare system might not be able to sustain it. Then two weeks ago, 308 people were in the hospital and today 178, that's a decrease by 60%. So the trends are really very good and there's probably lots of reasons for that, but let's just say it's a, it's a positive thing and a relief. One of the things that Governor Ige expressed last week as sort of maybe a metric to gauge when we may get out of this restrictive state is when we start seeing those, as you mentioned, hospitalizations, those numbers go down, but more importantly, when those triage tents that were set up are taken down. And when we don't need those nurses that were flown in from the mainland to help support the current medical staff that we have here in the state, is there any indication about when some of those things might be happening, when the state may not need those nurses and when some of those tents may be coming down? Well, we're very grateful to have those nurses. The total number of people that came was 650, 650 nurses, uh, critical care nurses, and also respiratory therapists to do the you know, the breathing tube work, the ventilation work. Uh, they will be leaving us in small waves over the next two weeks and then four weeks. Uh, so most of them will finish their contracts over these next couple of weeks. A few will stay on because they've re-upped and FEMA is supporting that. It's very helpful because we had exhausted nurses and doctors. We had a lot of people that had to go out sick with COVID at different times. So it's a very uh, great blessing that they came and, and kudos to Hilton Rathel and his team for helping that happen. Uh, so they're going to be leaving over the next couple of weeks, and it's okay because we have enough capacity. And then the tents themselves, 
I was, you know, one of the people that went and set up a tent with um, Jim Ireland. I was very grateful to him and the city and Mayor Blangiardi for helping us with that over at West. Uh, those tents are also becoming less necessary because we're no longer overflowing in our hospital. The tents do provide some additional support irrespective of how many people are in the hospital because you can do things like do monoclonal antibodies there and triaging of patients, separating infectious patients from others, but the tents are no longer central to the effort. You know, when the governor spoke on Friday, he said that there was no singular metric that he's looking at when he is extending the restrictions that we're currently under. Uh, there's a lot of people who kind of feel like I need some kind of a benchmark. I need something to hang my hat on. Do you agree with that this is sort of a, you know, a, a broader basis for the decision as opposed to a singular focus? You know, when we had the tier system, for instance, we knew that the positivity rate was then tied to certain restrictions. At this point, I think a lot of people in our community kind of feel like they don't really know when this is going to end. And that is particularly frustrating. Yeah, I'm frustrated, too. I think that there should be some metrics. Uh, it is a little bit of a difficult thing to say as compared to earlier in the pandemic because the Delta variant was very different than the earliest um, version of COVID. However, we are rapidly approaching what's considered a low benchmark for positivity rate, and that's 3%. At 3.51%, we are really in a good place. Soon we'll be in a great place when we're under 3%. That was long held to be important, to be under 3% in lots of different states and countries. And also for us, I wouldn't say it's a magic number, but to be under 50% of our max, under 50% of our max capacity in the hospital, say for several days to a week, would also be very good to see and is a good benchmark because we saw that we were able to care for 448 individuals in very serious condition in the hospital with COVID. And now that we're down to 178, I wouldn't say it's easy. I mean, my colleagues are still working extremely hard in the hospital, but we know that we have more than enough capacity to handle that. So these are two of the metrics that I think are very important that we look at not just the case counts, not fatalities, but the positivity rate. And then finally, the overall number of active cases, which is a reflection of how many people caught the virus in the last two weeks. We went from 11,500 active cases down to 4,238. And so you see that we're down like 60, 70% of active cases, which means we will not have as many hospitalizations, and then we will not have as many people on ventilators, and we will not have as many fatalities. So that's the advice that I tend to give the team look at those numbers, look at the positivity rate, and look at the people that are in the hospital. And that's a pretty good guide for when you can uh, remove the restrictions, because we're really rapidly approaching a time when we should return to normal, both socially and economically. You know, earlier on, when we were looking at the vaccination efforts and the state was pushing for that 70% vaccination rate, uh, this was, of course, before the Delta virus has, has surged here in the state and, and really threw that 70% out the window, uh, but was a benchmark that people were aiming for at some point. One of the things that you had mentioned earlier on as well is, is wanting to have that natural immunity of those who have uh, survived and battled through COVID-19 and survived be added into the overall vaccination count. With the numbers that we have seen with Delta and those who have fully recovered, do you still think that those who have uh, you know, survive COVID-19 and now have the, that natural immunity should also be considered within the vaccinated population. And what does that tell us about where we're at with when you count those who have been vaccinated as well as those who have built that natural immunity? Uh, the answer to your question, right, is yes. I could stop there, but I will go on. Uh, yes is the answer. We have 5.7% of our population uh, that has been confirmed having had COVID. 
it's certainly a much higher number. Those individuals all have some natural immunity and for a significant period of time. We're also at 68.2% of the entire state being fully vaccinated. So when you look at those two numbers, we have moved well past 75% uh, because there are a lot of additional people that just never got tested but had COVID. Some people think it's three times as many as the uh, 80,323 people that we've confirmed. What happened was, and, and I'm fairly certain about this, when we reached about 80% immunity, that's, that's the combination of people who have had COVID or have been fully vaccinated or in some cases partially vaccinated, we achieved essentially 80% immunity in society. And at that point, we saw the numbers really come down. And I'll, I'll remind you one more time, look where we were. Four weeks ago today, our average case counts were 722 a day for the week. Two weeks ago, they were 484, and then today, 259. That's our average counts. They're coming down in a very linear fashion. That didn't happen for no reason. Now, that was a combination of a lot of people catching COVID. 14,000 people were confirmed with COVID in the last 30 days, plus lots of other people caught it plus about 4% additional people. We went from 64.3% vaccinated fully to 68.2% vaccinated fully in these 30 days. So what happened was a lot more people got vaccinated, a lot more people caught COVID, like you point out, and we finally reached a point where there just wasn't anywhere for the virus to go. So that plus people have been really responsible, not having large gatherings, being careful, and the case counts dropped. They didn't drop for no reason. They dropped because of those things. You could also put some credit to Mayor Blangiardi and the other mayor's policies to, you know, prevent spread in restaurants. That's good work. But mostly it was the vaccination rates that got us there. I want to bring in Rob's question here. He says, at what percentage of fully vaccinated citizens do you drop all COVID restrictions? Should we continue to try to figure out what that percentage is? I know for a long time it was 70%. You just said we're at like around, I believe you said 68% now. So we're pretty close. Um, is there a threshold or has that gone away? We've talked a lot about Delta and the impact there. And Dr. Char has said at various points it could be 85 to 90 percent necessary. Is there an actual percentage where the restrictions go away or do we need to get essentially to 100 percent? Well, that would be unfair to the people that have made the commitment to get vaccinated along the way to, to try to aim for some kind of number like 100 percent. Let me give you a prediction. I predict that in two weeks or two and a half weeks, the mayors will come together and decide that most restrictions should be dropped because counts should be much lower than they are today, very manageable in the hospitals. And there is an obvious and large and rational outcry to have some of the restrictions lifted. For example, sports. That's an easy one to discuss. People should be able to watch their kids play sports. When they're outdoors in Maui at the parks, when they're in a stadium, if they're vaccinated, these are easy ones to do. So those kind of restrictions I'm almost certain will go away. Meanwhile, we have not seen clusters because most people who are working in restaurants are vaccinated. All of the patrons have been vaccinated. You're just not gonna spread COVID in those settings almost at all. So I think that the mayors will band together and ask for those restrictions to be dropped, but not everything will be dropped. For example, we're gonna keep safe travels going for a while because it works. It's one more barrier so that we don't run the risk of someone being hot with a fever, really sick, unvaccinated, flying on Hawaiian Airlines. We don't want that. That would, that would be terrible. So that can't be allowed to happen. However, we are going to eventually see returns uh, to pretty significant numbers of travelers here safely. 
we have to be mindful that much of what our economy is based on is November and December for all of our working people. They have to take care of their kids' tuition and rent and so on for their houses. So we have to be sensible. So if our numbers are low, which I believe they will be quite low, they're already getting there in two weeks, there's going to be incredible desire to get back to normal. And I think it would be a fair thing to do. In expanding more on tourism, as you mentioned, we're going to begin seeing potentially more visitors coming in from the foreign market as some of those restrictions also get lifted and the, the access for these, say, visitors coming from Japan uh, and, and some of those restrictions be, become lifted. Uh, are you at all concerned about the influx of travelers that may be heading towards ads when you combine that with what we saw over the summer with mainland travel? No, I'm pumped that that's going to happen. Because if you look at uh, Japan, right, first of all, we surveyed the Japanese uh, travelers and four out of five of them want to come to Hawaii before they go anywhere else. They probably want to just come and have that trip that they've missed out on two years or see their old friends or family. Also, Japan has very low COVID numbers and a very high vaccination rate. And then finally, they are very thoughtful tourists. They stay in their own uh, bubbles. They're mindful of mask wearing. They tend to uh, be very uh, accommodating when they're asked to participate in good public health measures. Also, keep in mind, historically, Japan represented 15% of our travelers, but 30% of all of our revenues. So we want those Japanese travelers to come because this is one of the answers to what was a, a rational outcry of having too many people here in 2018 and 2019. You want to have travelers that are committed to Hawaii for the right reasons, who are willing to invest good resources for a positive experience, but also leave a small footprint. And so I think that that is a very good thing. Plus, remember the the international rule, I, I know you guys must have talked about this a few times, the international rule that the federal government has set up is that people will have to be vaccinated and they're going to have to do a pretest. They're basically taking from, you know, a lot of the safe travels rules that we've had over the many months. So I think it's a super good system. And that will also apply. I've spoken to these groups, uh, the Korean community, the Chinese community, the Ty Taiwanese community. We're really looking to welcome a lot of people back in a safe way. You know, on the subject of travel, when we think about holiday travel, it'll be here before you know it. But people need time to plan. Um, and the governor has, you know, in in the past said that tourists should not come to Hawaii. He has not rolled out the red carpet just yet and invited tourists to come back. Do you think that he should do that? And, and if so, when should he do that? Because people can't just buy a ticket the next day. They're making their holiday travel plans now. Well, I think he'll need to do that uh, with at least two to three weeks notice before the main holiday travel is meant to begin. That usually happens mid-November. November and December need to be vibrant in order for our families to do okay. And look, we are, we are really at a, a positive tipping point, right? So we've seen the numbers drop each of the last two, uh, two week segments that, you know, these intervals of time are two weeks in length to see cases drop. If we have another two week period, which would take us to the 18th, that's this good, we'll be at like maybe 2% positivity and 130 cases a day, something that's utterly manageable. That should give us enough time to send the right signals to North America, to Japan and other places. It's a, it's a little bit frustrating, I think, for many, because keep in mind, over 90% of all of our adults have gotten vaccinated. They're not, they're not vulnerable now. And they want to do their jobs. They want to get back to their lives, not just the sporting events, but they want to be able to make a living for their families. 
and a very small minority of the population is leaving Governor uh, Governor Ige in limbo and uh, on his decision making. And it's challenging for the governor because he's he's very risk averse. However, we're in a safe spot now. Everyone got a little bit freaked out when the hospital numbers got to 448. And I, you know, I understand that. So we've now had a month to see them come down. Everyone got a little freaked out when we had that one day of a thousand cases. That was terrible. But it was a one-off, and then the numbers have steadily come down. And we've done a good job managing the healthcare component of this crisis. We're the second lowest for both cases and the second lowest for mortality rate. I'd love to be the lowest, but this is, you know, this has been a lot of work, and the people of Hawaii deserve to come through the recovery as well as they've come through the process of the pandemic. Switching gears to the vaccination rates that we have seen, we spoke about it earlier in the broadcast, but I'm wondering if we can expand upon it a little more. What are we seeing within the past week or so? Uh, you know, Because when we had this surge, as you talked about, when we saw those numbers, those case numbers, there was a spike and an uptick in those wanting to get vaccinated who maybe were on the fence. Where are we at now with what we're seeing maybe on a daily basis with our current numbers? And do you continue to see uh, an effort being having to be made to continue to push a vaccination? Or are you pleased with the rate and where we're at right now? Well, it's pretty good now. It turns out that this was a very interesting phenomenon. Initially, it was felt that when the FDA did the full approval of the Pfizer vaccination, that that full approval would motivate the last you know, 30 or 40% of people across the country to kind of get off their butts and, and go get vaccinated. Turns out really fear is a much greater motivator. So people who were afraid of catching the Delta variant and ending up in the hospital, when there was, you know, there was a handful of cases, if you remember over the last two weeks, that were truly tragic. Young people uh, in their 30s, early 40s, getting super sick, a couple people passing away. That was terrifying to many people across the state. And that motivated a lot of people to get vaccinated. We are now down to under 10% of our entire eligible population that has not yet been vaccinated. The number as of yesterday morning was 131,917. And that number, I believe, is actually closer now to 125,000 total in the state that are over age 12 that are refusing to be vaccinated. So a lot of people at about 5,000 to 6,000 people a day are getting vaccinated. In the last three days, 18,871 individuals got vaccinated over the weekend. So it's hard to find people now that haven't been vaccinated at all. The next big uh, group of people that will get vaccinated will include my son, Sam. He's 10 years old. So kids aged five to 11, of which there are 119,000 will become eligible. I'm thinking in and around October 22nd, that's my best guess. I think that's when the approvals will get done. Could be a little sooner, could be a little later, but it is going to definitely be a new option for us to get that last seven or 10% of the population going. And that means all school aged kids from five to 18 will be able to go get vaccinated if they choose to with their families. So we're going to move forward. Uh, we're the best state as far as initiation of vaccination. We're about fifth as far as completion of vaccination. Then when you add these keiki, there's just not a lot of places for this virus to go. So I'm hopeful that we'll get one last little boost uh, down to age five, and I believe it will be safe. The data's coming in, and there's not been much in the way of concern. Uh, definitely prepare, ask your pediatrician, because I think that's a, a smart thing to do. But that will get us to numbers so high that we've never seen that uh, vaccination rate for anything like flu or anything. So Hawaii should be commended for its effort. I know it's been a little bit um, 
contentious at times, but you know, I think we should be understanding. We're, we're here at the other end of this pandemic and we have an opportunity, an opportunity to come through it better than anyone else, which would include restoring not just our health, but our economic health and our psychological health. Let's get to Thanksgiving and Christmas and have like a normal loving holiday season with no virus. That does sound nice. I want to ask you with the, we know that from, I mean, and I know that COVID is the kind of thing where we're learning as we go, but from, from the studies that we've seen, natural immunity seems to tend to wane between six and nine months. Vaccine acquired immunity is somewhere between six and eight months. That's why we're starting to see these boosters be released for certain populations. Does that mean that we can expect, you know, to be at risk for COVID essentially once a year? Um, and if that's the case, should then we all sort of in our mind prepare to have to be vaccinated for this once a year? I'm asking you to kind of put on your doctor hat for this one. The answer is yes. I, I do think that's the case. The studies out of Israel have su suggested exactly that. You begin to see a 20 to 25 percent decline in your immunity after that six month period. So if you were fully vaccinated with Pfizer and you, you, know, you finished it back in April, then you're right now coming around the turn where you're losing some of your immunity and you will be eligible and should go get that booster, especially if you're over 65 or if you have any chronic health problems. Already, 24,445 individuals have gotten their third shot in the state of Hawaii, and a lot more are starting to get them. I think we're going to see a ton of people in the next six weeks get that third shot. They're going to approve Moderna and Johnson & Johnson for an additional shot, I believe, soon also. And yes, I think in this year and next year, you can expect to get a booster. Then COVID or this coronavirus in general will have fallen off, not totally off the planet, but we'll be watching for things like variants out of Africa, variants out of India or China. We'll be very mindful. So when we have these outbreaks of infectious disease, we'll check for both flu and COVID. And the Department of Health will then characterize the genetics of that strain to make sure it's not matching up with something awful. We don't want another outbreak, but we shouldn't get one. We'll probably see instead small mini outbreaks in parts of our state that just never quite got to a good vaccination rate real rural areas, they will get that benefit of herd immunity, but there will still be some outbreaks, but we'll be able to manage them. Bringing in a question here from Dean, who's asking, is it possible for the Department of Health to post on its dashboard the number of hospitalized COVID patients who have been fully vaccinated? The public is usually given a ballpark percentage, but never a solid number. What information are the hospitals able to provide about some of these more uh, specific data points? We know that Queens Medical Center uh, does also put that out on their social media. They put a listing of vaccinated and those who aren't vaccinated in the hospital. Is that a number that can be made available and be put on the dashboard, which includes all the hospitals in the state? Yeah, look, let me do it for you. Last seven days. Okay, so we had 26 people fully vaccinated out of 178 today. We had 26 people out of 176 yesterday that were fully vaccinated. The day before that, we had 33 out of 172. The day before that, 28 out of 170. The day before that, 24 out of 205. And the day before that, 24 out of 228. Uh, that's the last six days. And the seventh day was 31 out of 254. I could break it out by each hospital, but it tends to be like four or five at Hawaii Pacific Health six to eight over at Queens. And the average has been about 14% across the state that have been vaccinated uh, fully, uh, but still required hospitalization. So I do get that number every day. I'm happy to share that. Um, we do it. It's at, um, at LTGov Josh Green. And the basic, the basic deal is it's been very steady around that percentage. It got as low as like 11%. One day it got as high as 
looked like 17%, but I think somebody gave me the wrong number. So I think it was actually 15%. So it's been really tight in that band. Usually those individuals are people who are much more elderly and they have probably been in the category that you described before. They got vaccinated uh, fully, but it was like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months ago. Teasing that out is a little bit more difficult because getting that amount of granularity just would take a ton of time that, you know, may not be available. Uh, but that's the circumstance. I get that information. I'm happy to share it. I, I don't want anyone to think anything is ever not available to them as information because our society is very responsible. They've been forced to deal with this for 18, 19, 20 months, and they deserve to have all of the data. The only caveat to that is that, and I hope people understand this, it is, it is really difficult sometimes to get in a timely fashion the data about some fatalities because the, the coroner and those folks have to be very careful about privacy and they have to determine the exact cause of the person's death. And so it sometimes takes a few days. It's not like we don't want to share it. I do want to share it in real time, but we have to be sensitive about that because one of our loved ones is gone. But otherwise, I'm full of numbers. I mean, I, I want people to basically know where we are, where our trends are. And if they ask for what the exact number on a given day in a given hospital is, I'm happy to give it. I know there are mixed feelings on the priority of this question, but I want to ask it. Curtis Mariyama wrote a piece in the paper today, um, pretty strong against uh, the policy set out by the governor right now that does not allow fans in the stand at UH Games. Obviously, this is not the case for collegiate sports across the country. Hawaii is the most restrictive. We had uh, quite a win this weekend and nobody saw it in person. What are your thoughts on this? Um, you did mention that you think that the mayors will appeal to the governor in the next two weeks, let's say, uh, do you think that that will be part of the conversation and do you think it should be part of the conversation? Yeah, it should be. Uh, two weeks ago, I asked the governor to lift that restriction. If fans are vaccinated and they wear a mask, they are completely safe. Have you seen those crazy lunatic fans in Florida where they have like very high positivity rates or Texas, 70,000 people cheering on their teams? I mean, that's not great, but we are safe. We're over 90% vaccinated or initiated for vaccination. Our people have sacrificed in a great way. They should be able to go watch UH kick butt. I mean, let's be honest. It was an awesome win. People should have seen that. It's one for the ages. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because it's not just football. I mean, I love football. A lot of people love football. But it's a process of getting back to normal. If you can't do some of the normal things when you have sacrificed, you don't feel like people are listening to you. And that's why a lot of us are encouraging the governor to relax a little bit on that policy because we could spread out the fans still just in a couple thousand at the first games into little pods with their family members. Look, people already having experiences that are, you know, much more intimate in groups outdoors. They are going to, and I'm fine with this, going to farmer's markets, which is wonderful. We're not checking their vaccine cards at farmer's markets. We're not checking anything else. They're wearing their masks, but we could definitely be doing football and football is just the tip of the iceberg. We want kids going, parents going to see their kids at swim uh, tournaments and dance competitions and just all the things, especially if they're outdoors. So I would hope that we will get there. I know that that has been really emotional and I read that piece and I thought it was very intelligent. I liked how they, they talked about the numbers. In fact, they were talking about numbers last week, which were good enough to open up for the football game. This week's numbers are another, you know, degree of um, magnitude better. That's when we had a positivity rate of 4.6%. Now we're at 3.51%. So we need to get there. And 
Look, I'll, all I can tell you is I'm just a lieutenant governor, all right? So I would like to do that. And I think that the governor has been very cautious and conservative, and it has paid dividends in some areas. But a, there will come a time where we have to reward people, and we have to get back to normal socially and economically. We have to. And it's going to be done in small steps, not in one giant leap. So a small step might be that we watch the UH Warriors destroy some other opponent in person. Well, let's hope so. Uh, we hope their continued success moves on to the, to the for the rest of this season. That's for sure. Uh, but if you know, a sporting events become allowed soon, do you also think that other types of professionally supervised events should also be uh, allowed? Say concerts or conferences, uh, any sort of music festivals. How you know? Because I think one of the arguments may be for event planners is if UH is able to do it, we should be able to do it as well. Do you then foresee some of these other events also being allowed at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. Now, some of them are indoors, so it's a slightly different consideration. But if people are vaccinated and then you tell them to wear a mask, it's not a problem. It's just not a problem. So my team wrote uh, a, a policy with some, ex, uh, some experts in the industry. We called it uh, Safe Events Hawaii which basically the standard was you could have large events as long as people demonstrated that they were vaccinated or tested and then they wore a mask when they were indoors. But yes, people have to start getting married again. They have to be allowed to do that. We need to have conventions come back here. And if everybody's vaccinated and wearing a mask, we really shouldn't be worried, especially if they've traveled from the mainland and we know that they don't have COVID because they're gonna go back anyway. So that's not even a threat to us. But there's so many reasons that we should be implementing that kind of policy. And I think we probably are just two or three weeks away. There's a lot of reasons to do it. Mostly it's because it's safe. It's the science. It's OK. But beyond that, I think that we have not put in. I guess, how do I say this? We have not put an adequate emphasis on a gradual return to normalcy. That has to happen because you can't just flip a switch and say, OK, everyone can celebrate Christmas and there's no restrictions. That's not the way to do it. We should go in smaller bite-sized increments that are safe, that restore some of the normal things that we do. I'm really glad that school survived this year. That was a great victory. I'm really glad that our hospital numbers have come down because we had those extra nurses. That was a very good thing. But now the normal life stuff has to start returning. And if it doesn't, I think people will lose faith. And I don't want people to lose faith. I instead want them to celebrate the end of this pandemic not think that they were uh, burdened by it in the end game. You know, one of the things that could help that is monoclonal antibodies from what we understand. When we had uh, Mike Rembus, who's the head of Maui Health on here on Friday, he said they are using every single dose that they get. Does the state have enough of this? Because when we talked to Dr. Char earlier in the week, she had said that we have an adequate supply. Do you agree with that? Do we have enough for what we need? Well, two weeks ago, we didn't. Two weeks ago, we had about half of what we need. Uh, but maybe our demand has dropped now because we have far fewer cases uh, in a day-to-day -day way. You know, we were sitting at 11,500 active cases four weeks ago. We did not have enough monoclonal antibody then. Then we were sitting closer to, what was it? Uh, we're sitting at 7,400 active cases. Remember, monoclonal antibodies are mostly used to prevent severe illness, to prevent hospitalization. Now we're down to 4,000 people, and I think we have a much better chance of meeting that need. The hospitals are equipped to do it. A lot of the clinics are, the community health centers, some of the private doctors are. That's what some of those tents are available for. So 
we do want to do that. Now, if you have a very mild case of COVID, you don't need monoclonal antibodies. Like when I had COVID back in last September, I just wasn't sick enough to merit that kind of treatment. So people shouldn't just think that that's the one thing to do. They should instead get vaccinated and be smart. That's much more efficient than the monoclonal antibody road. However, yes, if your doctor feels you need it, I think you got a good chance of getting them. It's an infusion. You got to get an IV or shots to get them the, um, the full maximum benefit of them. It's not that big a deal, but you know, some people just don't like to get shots. So there's lots of considerations. Um, I would say this, we are really coming into the home stretch as long as we don't have an unlucky break or we don't get all wild here at the end. Okay. So still be sensible. Don't have large gatherings for the next couple of weeks. The numbers are dropping very rapidly. And our healthcare system is kind of taking a deep breath and recovering from what went on for the last month. Be smart. Continue to encourage your friends that those last holdouts to get vaccinated. This is a good time for just a little bit of peer pressure because it makes everybody safe in their family unit. And then holidays come. Then we got Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, all of which should be exceptional because there's like a, um, a collective sigh of relief in our state that's about to happen. So please, everybody, consider doing that. All this hard work uh, is a credit to you and to the Department of Health and the medical community. You guys have really done great. But now we don't want to see a little spike and then excuses made why we can't open up. Let's get this kind of like push through the finish line on this thing. All right. Well, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and for your flexibility in moving our originally scheduled morning interview to this afternoon. We really appreciate you taking time to answer our questions here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have thank a great you. week. Well, always good to hear from him. And we covered a broad range of subjects. It does sound like there's some daylight between him and the governor in terms of how rapidly we should open up. The lieutenant governor there basically saying that we need to open up in incremental steps and predicting, he said, that uh, in the next two weeks, he thinks that the mayors will come to the governor to appeal for more uh, lifting of restrictions if the numbers continue to trend in the way they're seeing. Uh, we encourage you to take a look at that Curtis Mariama piece in the paper today, pretty strongly worded there about why UH should open up. Uh, we're not taking a position on that, but it's definitely worth a read. And the Lieutenant Governor said that he agreed with many of the points in that article. And as someone who had the opportunity to be in an empty stand sheriff center last night calling a game for the UH fans, uh, I can tell you that it is a different experience overall and that the fans and players uh, are really looking forward to the day when they can get there. But, you know, when we look back to listen to what the governor said last week here on this show, he did say that he was in favor of tiering, of providing a tier system, if you will, for the reintroduction of those fans into the stadium at some point this season. So there is some similarities in what the lieutenant governor just said and what the governor presented last week, saying that when we see those numbers, uh, like we're seeing now, continue on, that he was in favor of a tiered approach to allowing maybe families first and then some uh, larger season ticket holders uh, down the line to really begin that process of allowing people back into sporting events. But as also noted by the Lieutenant Governor, overall the numbers of the hospitalizations continue to improve and something that we know the governor is looking at as a metric to see when and uh, you know how we will be able to start lifting some of these restrictions based on what we're seeing with our hospitals. 
Yeah, and we know that a lot of folks in the tourism industry are watching and waiting for the governor to signal to the country and the world, really, that Hawaii is open for business when it comes to travel. We'll be talking to leaders of the tourism industry right here on Wednesday to address how they're preparing for the holidays, because it is rather difficult if the governor has said don't come to then figure out how to attract the guests and what that conversation should be like. Yeah, looking forward to that conversation on Wednesday. We thank you so much for being a part of our afternoon Spotlight Hawaii edition. We'll see you back at our normal time on Wednesday at 1030. Until then, stay safe and aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii was brought to you by Chaminade University.